Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words. Hello, and welcome to Mark My Words. This is Mark Homer. I've got Simon Zucci with me here today,、um, an illustrious colleague within within the same industry.、Um, Simon has a, a few businesses.、Um, And and has has, has written a great book, Property Magic, and obviously he's got Pin, which is a, a training business,、um, not completely dissimilar to Progressive, although I'll let him sort of explain in a bit more detail exactly how、um, you know how it all fits together and, and, and what he does.、Um, but Simon, welcome. Thank you, Mark. First time in your offices. First time in Peterborough as well. And、uh, I'd like to introduce Mark Homer to、uh, people listening to my podcast. So Mark is the co-founder of Progressive Property. He's the real kind of the, the property part of pro- the Progressive Property Partnership.、Uh, bought and sold over five hundred properties or something crazy like that. You've done a lot more property than me, I think. I, I focus more on the training side, which is what I love. And you've got stuck into the property, haven't you? Yeah, I, I mean, we had a, you know, back in the early days, we had a, a sort of portfolio building product, which,、yep. you know, obviously got a, a good rump of the properties bought.、Um, but that was always what I did right from before we started this company. I was buying little terraced houses and、yep. refurbing them and, and remortgaging them, and then from there I started doing little sort of conversions, and and, and then I started doing sort of putting HMOs in cluster flats and doing bigger buildings, and and now I'm sort of. Doing much bigger blocks, yeah,、um, and、um, yeah. Once once they're done, I usually refinance them and and put them in our letting agency. Exactly, nice end to end business. Yeah, so you, that vertical integration. I, yeah, I, I absolutely.、Like、yeah. yeah, we've done that a little bit with obviously、uh, teaching people how to go and find great property deals, and then helping them fund them through、uh, my other business, Crowd Property.、Mm. So tell us about that. How how does Crowd Property work? Because、um, although I've I think I've Raised money through crowd finance. I think a couple of times over the years. I haven't been a big sort of, you know, I haven't done loads with it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, it's, I, I, I think it's banks. I think、yeah. it's still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not with you on that one, I'm afraid.、Right. But <laughs> I think it's quite interesting because、um, peer-to-peer lending and, and crowdfunding is still relatively new. I think most people in the UK might have heard of it, but haven't done it. So it's kind of, and the UK is actually the pioneer of it. So about. Six years ago, I was at,、um, at a business event. I always, I'm always investing myself, always trying to learn more and, and get around like-minded people. And I was at an event, which is a kind of、um, a futurist event, looking at future trends and things. And they were talking about this peer-to-peer lending and crowdfunding. And I thought I didn't really know what it was. And they explained that you people bring projects that it might be for a business or to raise money for a record or a new product, whatever it is, and the crowd come and fund it. And at the time, I was doing.、Um, Not quite the size deals you're doing, Mark, but I was converting care homes up north into like twenty, twenty-five flats and things, and I was generally using my money and other people's money,、uh, which is one of the things we teach people how to do. And、um, I was doing that because I realised I believe that traditional banks who who traditionally would fund developments last couple of years they're not so keen to do it, and they really want to make you jump through hoops. Even got quite good experience with track record as we have. Um, and I thought there's got to be an easier way. So I was mainly funding things through private money, and I realised that you know lots of people might want to lend me fifty, a hundred grand to do my projects. A lot of people in my database didn't have that kind of money, but would love to get a better return on their investment. So I thought, could I solve two problems at the same time? Could I help developers who are struggling to get the debt part of their deals? 
and then also help a normal consumer get a much better return on their money. And all that activity is regulated by the FCA. So we put together a peer-to-peer lending platform. Interesting. And obviously, we've got lots of people who've done our training uh, and your training who are finding great deals. And then we help fund those deals um, very, very quickly. And actually, we are, no matter how we're funding, we happen to be funding from the, the crowd. We've also got a couple of institutions who put money in as well. And it's a way of cutting out the bank, cutting out the middleman. So this is more of, uh, this is effectively development finance. It yeah? is development finance, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you've got to be adding short value. Term. Short term. Yeah. It's kind of similar to bridging, but yeah. much quicker. And the thing is, it's fast, reliable finance. Okay. So it's much quicker than bridging. Much quicker than why, bridging. Why is that? Because what we do is, so people will come to us yeah. and they'll say, right, I've got this great project. Yeah. And in five minutes, yeah. they can fill in a form, literally okay. 12 boxes. Yeah. And within usually 24 hours, yeah. we can say, yes, we can fund it or not. Okay, so a very good. quick decision yeah, yeah, yeah. and very... Now, obviously, we do a huge amount of due diligence yeah. to make sure it's a, we don't lend on any bad deals. Yeah. It's got to be a good deal. Yeah. But the, the initial decision is very quick. Yeah. And then depending on if how organised the borrower is, yeah. um, we always get a risk valuation, yeah. a before and after. Yeah. Um, and that's often the slowest thing. Yeah. Uh, we can put something on the platform. Uh, we promote it out to all of our lenders. Yeah. Typically, things are funding in minutes. Yeah. We're talking several hundred thousand pound loans. I think about okay. three, four hundred thousand is the average. Yeah. We do anything from a hundred up to a couple of million. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really fast, reliable. Interesting. And then you guys take first charge on the... Yeah. So like yeah. any lender, we'll take yeah. a first charge security. Yeah. Typically, we'll end up to about 70%. Okay. However, because yeah. we are property professionals, we would lend maybe more than a bridging company or a bank if it's a good deal. So okay. we've had one of my clients, he found a, a large house yeah. that he wanted to redevelop. He secured an option on it for 1.4 million. Okay. He's got planning permission on it. And so the, the land with planning is worth 2 million. Mm. So we're actually, he's going to buy it using crowd property. Yeah. And we're going to lend him pretty much the full foot purchase price. Okay, because so, you know there's so much equity. Because, we, because we understand it and yeah. we get it. Whereas a normal bank might lend a bit more, but... They're all nervous. Yeah, and usually. We, usually uh, are. Uh, what sort of, what are the cost? you know, what, what does it cost to borrow money from you? So it ranges from yeah. about 2 to 4%, um, yeah. depending on the size of the loan. Uh, uh, that, no, that's that's the arrangement fee. Yeah. And then the uh, the fees vary depending on the loan to value from about yeah. 0.63 up yeah. to about 0.88 per month. month. Yeah. yeah, okay, fine. So no penalties, no hidden fees. Yeah. which is normal with Bridget. I mean, I can't remember the last... But, you know, I, I don't take bridging out very often, but every now and again, I need to buy something quick. Yeah. Uh, so I have used bridging. Yeah. And I'm often drawn in at 0.6.7. Yeah. Um, but honestly, when I get to the end of it, if I take an annualised, you know, an IRR, yeah. what is it they have charged with all the fees and all yeah. the, you know, the arrangement fees and the exit fees and the, yes. the extra they're taking out the solicitor and the commissions? Yeah. So I, I think they're always at about 15%. Yeah. And, um, and more. Yeah. And, more. and the thing is, it's the hidden fees that... I've never people... got out of one with less than 15, yeah. then having less than 15%, yeah, well, on you an should, annual you basis. Should, you should come to Crowd Property. Yeah, give well, it a try. That's, um, <laughs> that, that, that was the, the direction I was headed. You should probably give yeah. it a try. Yeah, I'm sure we'd do yeah. a favourable rate for you, mates rates, you know. Yeah. Well, it sounds more like 10%, doesn't it, that? If, if, yeah, if it's, it's close to that. 10 to 12. But the interesting thing is, we have... Uh, it. I mean, I think a mistake that many investors make, they're just looking at the cost. Yeah. And actually, they're not factoring in their time cost. Yeah. And what we're doing is we're providing a, a great solution for people to quickly get their finance. Yeah. So they spend less time thinking about that, yeah. spend more time actually on the deal. Yeah. And that's yeah. 
finding deals and doing the deals where you're going to get the most money, yeah. right? Yeah. So actually, it's all in proportion, I think. Yeah, of course it is. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Very interesting. So, in terms of you know your uh, you know you've obviously bought stuff. Is it mainly around Birmingham? Uh, well, I started in Birmingham where I live, yeah. um, but actually. As we all did in yeah. the good old no money down days, oh, yeah. I was I was buying everywhere, which probably wasn't the best thing. You know, I've got some things in my portfolio. The last couple of years, I've been selling off because best one in the miles world, away or- uh, miles away, or maybe they weren't great. I did some sale and went back, so maybe it's fine with the tenants there when they move on. You need to refurb the whole thing, and sometimes yeah, you bought them cheap. Aren't you? I bought them very cheap, yeah. but sometimes not in the best areas. And I think it's you know a lesson for me is. Uh, you know, it's all about due diligence. You've got yeah. to do your due diligence very, very carefully it's to make a, sure you're buying the It's a right local things. business as well. I mean, I, yeah, it, I we do so. have some properties. We have some, Rob and I have some of our portfolio in Wellingborough and Corby, and we sort of know the areas there, and it's been fine. But I tell you what, all the stuff we bought miles away has not been as good yeah. as buying here in Peterborough. All the streets we know, all the areas we know, when there's an issue or there's licensing or whatever, I know how to fix it because yeah, you know I the people le- who are yeah. involved. And yeah. I, I learn all the stuff, all the local sort of regulations and all the, you yeah. know, and then I can talk to the local agents, talk to the local and everything, and I find a way through it all. Yeah. Um, when you're miles away, you, well, if you're in 10 different areas, you've got you to learn yeah. the rules in 10 different uh, places. Yeah, so I think for, I would always recommend if people are starting to invest, always look where you live. Yeah. Always start there. It's Maybe easier, half an hour or so out from that, yeah. um, which is much easier. But then again, I think if you have a good network yeah. and reliable people, yeah. you can absolutely, absolutely invest remotely. We've got some people yeah. who, who, who do training with us and they, they invest from overseas. Yeah. Um, do they? Yeah, yeah, because they set up a good power team. You know, and I think, then it's okay. Yeah. Rather than just buying new build flats in, you, you, I don't know, in London. Oh, you don't want to yeah, do that. Sort you know, of, well, uh, people yeah. have different criteria, don't they? Some just want to park money in the UK. New build flats might work very well. Oh, but. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think we agree that yeah, buying yeah. new build property is probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> I like to buy something old, do it up, we find it to get all your money out. <laughs> of course, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it, I, For me, it's just such a simple equation. But it, the same happens in reverse. I talk about this a lot when you, you get them coming over from Singapore or China or whatever and you know they all invest at Battersea Power Station and they yeah. find now their flats are worth 40%, 50% less than yeah. what they signed up at. The same happens in reverse when you buy, not necessarily in the United Kingdom, but when you buy in other countries that you don't yes. understand. So we've probably both had that problem. Yeah. I've had that problem, I'm sure you have in the past. When mid-2000s, when the market was booming and everywhere yeah. was on sale, I bought stuff in. I bought uh, one in, I did really well in Spain. I bought one in Spain, did you? held it for a few years, Where sold about, it. Uh, bought holiday, another. Holiday? Uh, it was a holiday home, yeah, yeah on the south coast. Okay. Uh, bought it, sold it, reinvested up in Mercia. Yeah. Uh, golf with the, resort. With the, uh, no, it was just next yeah. to a golf resort. Okay. With a developer, full yeah. of promises, everything went yeah. wrong. You yeah. know, so yeah. I've still got that. It's I've been paying it off. I'm not using it. Just yeah. I'm just putting money into it each month. I can afford to do that, but we not had some ideal. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I went in Morocco as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Bloody hell. North North that Morocco. Proper wild west. North yeah. Morocco. Just yeah. and it was like a third. It was just just across from Port yeah. Uh, across the med, yeah. a third the price. Yeah. Uh, the banks had just opened up. The king set up these new five Investment cities. Zones, uh, exactly. Yeah. Five star hotels along the beaches, yeah. golf courses, professional football yeah. academies. Brilliant plan. Yeah. And then the credit crunch scuppered it all. Yeah. So I think it's half built well, still. Just, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so but you know what? You've you got to take the, the roles with the highs. Of course you have. And I think it's just a good lesson to everyone that, you know what? 
investing close to where you live, mm. probably in your own country where you understand the language, you understand the law, mm. you understand the finances and the tax. It's got to be the best it's thing to do. It's just fundamental. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's so fundamental. But people get distracted. I did. I know you did about yeah. the bright lights and the thing. And it just when you're investing with money, you've got to be so careful with your money. Yeah. And boring is sometimes the best thing to do, isn't it? The grass is always greener, Simon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, so so you're back then. You were sort of buying no money down. I, yeah. I guess uh, over the years, but you, 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 I guess you done single lets, and then did yes. you move into HMOs? Oh, uh, yeah, more? absolutely. So yeah. I, actually, my my first house I bought when I was ninety five. In not not when I was in ninety five, <laughs> and um, I, I rented it out. It was just next to Birmingham University where I went. Yeah. To, uh, to study and I got a job at Cadbury's and I, I rented the two rooms out to friends partly because um, they didn't have flats in the air and I wanted yes. to live in that area yes. and I'd, as a student I was quite social like to live with yeah. other people yeah. and I realised that the rent they paid me covered mm. the costs yeah. of my mortgage and my bills yeah. and um, so what? I saved all my salary yeah. and I had a part time business running student nightclub events in Birmingham oh, nice. that was yeah, a really yeah. good fun yeah, cash yeah. business yeah. and so I had this money in my business bank account yeah. And in 98, I bought my second property. Did and you? it was like 10 yeah. minutes closer yeah. to Cadbury's. Yeah. My friends came and lived there. And my first house, I rented out. Yeah. So I became a student HMO landlord in yeah. 98. Yeah, and Before, sort of accidental. Uh, it was accidental, initially. yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of, I thought I wanted to get into property, but it was, didn't I didn't know, know it was going to be an HMO. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you'll joke, my, my, talk about research. My yeah. first property, right? Yeah. I was living in 61 Tamers Road. Yeah. And I just got my job offer. Yeah. I thought, right, I want to buy a house. Yeah. And so I came out my front door. And looked down the road, looked up the road, there's a for sale sign. Yeah. So I went back into my house yeah. to pick up my landline phone to call the estate agent. Said, I want to look, look at the house. Arranged a viewing for the next day or so. Walked around, thought, this is amazing. It was so nice compared to my student house, which wasn't good at the time. I thought, I'll have it. So that was all the research I did. Not probably very advisable. Just cracked on. Just cracked on. But you know what? It was a great area yeah. because I lived there as a student. I knew it was massive demand. And the plan was eventually to get more. And have you still got it? You have, yeah. yeah. Still got it, yeah. What did you get for it back then? Uh, £48,500. And now? It's probably worth about two ninety. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. I had a shock the other day. My letting agent, because I don't manage yeah. it in mine, she called me up. She said, um, Simon, you've got a bit of a problem. I said, what's that? She said, um, you need to come out to the house. And I, I hardly ever go to my yeah. houses. She said, I said, why? She said, they've demolished the house next door. Now, these are all terraced houses. They've just taken it right. down. No party wall agreement. And I think, what the hell's going on? And uh, this builder had decided uh, to... Just to yank it down. Take, yeah, he's left the front wall. That's it. Right. Pulled down my chimney breast and everything. What? Digging a foundation, decided to build a wall on my so boundary. you had nothing, no, no party no, wall? No, nothing at all. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, my, um, my, my um, architect thing. So I said, I don't think you have. And I think no, you need to no, stop no. straight away. Yeah. So we, we've got a party wall surveyor in. And we've sorted it all out now. But there were some people... What did the party wall surveyor say? He said, uh, well, they've uh, had a, a breach in about three different yeah, ways. They have. Taking down the chimney, yeah. digging within three feet of yeah. your uh, wall, going on the boundary wall. Yeah. Loads of, they turned my, my garden into a, a dump for all the stuff. Yeah. Outrageous. Sounds like a simple injunction to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, these are things that happen, right? Yeah. But I can't complain. That house has doubled and doubled and a bit more. Yeah. It went up, it came down, it's gone up again. Yeah, yeah. It's made cash flow every single month. And yeah. that, for me, that's what property is all about. Yeah. You buy something, work once, get paid forever. And how do you feel about, clearly when you bought it, I guess it was yielding, I don't know what the rent was, but it had been probably yielding in excess of double digits or into double digits. 
Um, and over the years, I guess the yield has come down and down. Yeah, as the value's gone up, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of those properties where, so I think all the investors, especially if you've been investing for a while, I think every year you should look at your portfolio. Yeah. And when you buy something, my favourite measure is return on investment. So you look, okay, how much... Which, ROC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how much do you put in yeah. compared to how much it's generating for you? It's got to be the best measure. That's I mean, all I'm bothered about. Yields that yeah. Ajax talk about is, is yeah. pointless, I think. Yeah. Okay. The yield is just a good way to compare one property with another. Yeah. But, but it's but not actually, a true comparison because it doesn't take the cost into account. So it might be freehold or leasehold. Yeah. But across the same type or style of property, yeah. you, you, you get a broad brush idea You know, with the growth It's yield. an initial indicator, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. But... Usually, ROCE, how much have I left in versus yeah. what am I getting out every yeah. year? Net, net, net. That is what. That is the primary absolutely uh, indicator. When, when, you, when you buy or when do we yeah. finance? And, However, and of course, over the years, as it's you're just about to say, diminish. It, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I have a measure, and I don't know if I should coin this. I probably yeah. should. Otherwise, Rob will start teaching it. <laughs> <laughs> but I got something called return on capital. Uh, return on um, Return on equity, return yeah. on equity. So yeah. as the value goes up over time, yeah. right? If you sold that property, assuming it's a rental, you have yeah. to pay some capital gains yeah. tax. Yeah. How much money would you get out? Yes, right. That's what. And, I, yeah. and compare that to the cash flow you're getting now. Well, actually, that is what I calculate. Right. I calculate after all the costs, what I'm yeah. going to get out, and the capital gains tax versus the yearly income. Yes. And to me, that is ROCE. But yes. Well, well right, for me, ROCE, I, 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 no, I do it when you first invest. Okay, ROCE right. or yeah, return yeah. investment, other way of calling Which it. Which is yeah. exactly when I initially do it. Exactly. Yeah. But then what I'm saying is, as time goes on, you should look at all your portfolio. Yeah. And actually, I think if you own property in your own name, which I know has changed a bit with Section 24, most of us do own property in our own name, if we've got a reasonable amount. Um, I think a strategy of at least selling at least one property a year yeah. and getting your... Capital gains allowance, your mm. personal allowance, is probably yeah. a smart thing to do. So use your eleven. And then reinvesting that money yeah. in a better cash flowing property. Yeah. So it's case of look at look at the properties. Which ones have come to the end of mortgage terms? Yeah. Which ones don't you really want? Yeah. Which ones have got the uh, have got the lowest return for yeah. you? Yeah. And reinvest it. Okay. So sometimes it's not about growing your pot. When you get to a certain size, you don't want to make it bigger. Just want to make it more profitable. Yeah. And more robust. So grow the cash flow, grow the grow Absolutely, the profit, yeah. and and the capital gain. Yeah. Exactly. Release. Yeah. Yeah, uh, or the ability to take money out. And as, as long as you reinvest in another one, you're not yeah. then diminishing the amount of stock you hold. Yes, indeed. But I suppose it depends where you live, doesn't it? I mean, if if that one's gone up, then yep. so have all the others in the area. Exactly. Unless yeah. you reinvest in a sort of cheaper I'd, area. I'd invest in close. a cheaper area that yeah. you also understand. So, I mean, that one in Selly Oak, uh, I'm holding on to it because A, the kind of property, it will always rent. Yeah. It's kind of an emotional attachment. I'd have to pay so much capital gains tax oh, on it as well. That's problem, isn't it? So I think I might as well just hold on to yeah. that. So, um, Section 24, you just yeah. touched on it. Um, what are you doing about it for you? So, it's interesting. You know, yeah. I think, um, so a lot of people, there are 1.75 million landlords in the UK, apparently. That's a lot. I didn't know there were that many. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the national statistics. And <laughs> well, I, I we're, would we're say... We're all ignored over tenants. I would say... There's only two or three million tenants, aren't there? Well, no, it's probably yeah. quite a few more than that. I think it's Do 20% think? of the sector's... Oh, is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, yeah. and how many... Dwellings, there's it's about 30 seven, yeah, 70 million, million people, 30, 30 yeah. million dwellings. Two, just so two, I think it's probably, two, two and a half people per dwelling, so it's about yeah. 30 million. Yeah, and I think it's probably at least 20% of the sector. Six million. So I think it's probably six million landlords, uh, okay. tenants. Six million tenants yeah, against so, 1.75 yeah. of us. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's why they keep winning. Yeah. So, so which maybe you can understand that. <laughs> yeah. But, but section twenty four is actually a very clever piece of legislation. I completely disagree with it, but it's very clever the way they've done it because, you know, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, which most property investors are, and if you own property in your own name, you're going to get clobbered basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've spoken to a number of property specialist accountants, yeah. and you always need to make sure they're property specialists because most yeah. accountants just don't understand property tax. Yeah. And I find they all disagree mm. on, on what should you. be done. I agree with you. Yeah. So it's very convenient. So, uh, you know, I say to people, go and speak to a number of people, listen yeah. to what they say, and whoever yeah. you resonate with the most, yeah. that's probably the person to go yeah. with. Yeah. So I've chosen a particular route. I yeah. think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very confusing, isn't it? It's a bit of a grey area. I'll tell you what, one, um, one way to sort of... Um, control the risk because I agree with you I, I, don't, I can't remember how many accountants I've spoken to but there are at least uh, an absolute minimum of the accountants I've been speaking to three different ways yeah that they and they, say you and they all disagree with, with the other ways don't they uh, often and they, they either say that you know HMRC will come down on you or whatever um, one way to deal with it is to apply for clearance and tell yeah. HMRC what you're about to do and see yeah. if they will basically agree with you, give yes. you clearance to say yeah. that you're not going to pay cover against tax or, or stamp duty. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, you know, the um, under the Ramsey case, a lot of people are going to LLP, then into a limited company. Yeah. Seen that. Claiming that. And, and I yeah. think that that seems quite good because you can avoid the stamp duty yeah. and also you mitigate the capital gains tax. It resets it to zero, right. uh, which, which is pretty powerful. Um, but you have to do it in the right way. You have to be able to prove that you are managing your properties and it's the same business. So like all these things, there are caveats. Loads. And so I think yeah. you, you've got to get personalised advice to Written. make sure. Yeah, absolutely. Get them. Get the accountant yeah. to put his balls on the line and, and write And, and it's not just the accountant. See, you know, you could try and get approved by HMRC, but they are very reluctant to sometimes well, My understanding is that um, they're not issuing clearances now no, that's for what I mean. corporations. They don't we, want to do it. We managed to get as, um, we got clearance with, Stamp duty and CGT. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was probably three years ago, something like that. Uh, I have a, obviously haven't tried since, but a couple of people said they're not issuing yeah. clearances now. No, I don't think they are. No. So it's very hard to get them to commit. Yeah. Same old, same old. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. Um, so fast forward to now. But by the way, that's a yeah. real opportunity. Section twenty-four. Yeah. Because it's bad news for all of us. Yeah. But we are seeing. I don't know about your network meetings, but at ours. We are seeing so many long-term landlords yeah. who may not have come to our meetings before yeah. coming forward, and they're really thinking a number of them about retiring early mm. and saying, "You know what? I'm going to just sell up, selling, yeah, have a load of money, sit yeah. on a beach." And actually, I think that means if you look at Article Four areas mm. where you can't really get new HMOs because the council doesn't want them yeah. without getting planning permission, yeah. it's very difficult to do that. Some article four areas will be opening up because yeah. some of those landlords will be starting to sell some of those properties. Now the challenge is sometimes they're over optimistic about the value of them, mm-hmm. but I think depending on what might happen to the market and if they're not selling at that higher price over time, I think they'll adjust their views. So I think there's an opportunity to get into some of those areas that some people might have missed out on. Yeah, and also one of my favourite strategies is purchase lease options, mm-hmm. and we can use those to take on a portfolio have a schedule of when we buy them over a number of years. Yeah. The landlord can go and sit on the beach and retire mm. and actually they can maximise their capital gains allowance each year. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so that particular strategy works incredibly well in this market. So I think whenever there's bad news, 
if you have the right attitude, there's always some optimistic news around it. Yeah. There's always well, an angle. I mean, we've been talking here quite a bit about um, the latest numbers that are out in terms of um, rents going up. Yep. And, you know, as a consequence of landlords selling and less landlords buying. Yes. Obviously, it's Section 24, but it's also stamp duty and it's also them saying they're going to abolish the Section 21, yep. you know, and the yep. tenant fee ban. And all this has created this media noise and general negativity towards buy to let. And we've seen it here. I mean, you know, rents have gone, you know, I, when I started a three bed in 05 would have been 450. And then if you if you fast forward to maybe, I don't know, 2000 and in 2012, 2013, maybe we're getting 550. Yeah. yeah? And it, it, it didn't move, you know, it moved 100 quid mm. in, in all those years. Um, if you then but fast it's a real forward jump, to, oh yeah, 200 yeah. quid. I yeah. mean, I mean it's the, crazy, the, isn't it? It's 750 now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it's off the back of this. And, and you're right, because obviously less people out there renting properties, yeah. less supply, higher demand, you yeah. know, higher prices. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, different political parties talk about different things they're going to do. And, and I think they've got to be very careful. If too many private landlords leave the sector... As they are doing. And if it gets worse, yeah. and they are definitely doing yeah. it, more than normal. In any cycle, you have people coming in, people leaving. Yeah. But more than normal right now. Yeah. And I think they're going to have a real problem because if there's not enough housing, what do the local councils do? I, well, they, They're they, going to have they, a real issue. Well, they come to us and they start saying, we'll do a long lease on you know, a run for properties, which is what yeah. they've been trying to do around here. Uh, I think the sort of bed and breakfast travel lodge thing has got a lot of bad press. So they, yeah. the, the council are trying to do their own deals here. Um, but I'm not sure it's working that well. Um, it, yeah, so it's interesting how loads of landlords are leaving. Obviously, you know, Th- th- this means that there is an opportunity. Yep. We're seeing quite a few big portfolios coming up yes. of landlord, uh, you know, who which are owned by landlords who are exiting probably because they don't really know what to do about Section Twenty Four, yep. um, and they're in a bit of a bind because the tax bill has already gone up quite a bit. Yep. Um, but new landlords are buying in, putting them in a limited company, getting around it, yes. um, and sort of reinvigorating the market. Um, yeah. We've got. One of our trainers is buying about 60 properties at the moment that way. And I've mm. spoken to another one who's negotiating on a series of portfolios like that. So yeah, lots of portfolios of coming up. So again, yeah. if you know what you're doing, great opportunity. Yeah. As, it, as isn't, it interesting, isn't it interesting when there's negativity in the news and the press? Think back to 2009. It was the best. It was the best. The best time. How best. many people the looking back I did. would buy a lot more property then if they could? No, so, well, no, now. And it's going to be the same. I think now is, a, is an opportunity of the decade. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, 09, 10, 11, we were buying houses in Wellingborough and Corby at 50 grand, 55 yeah. grand. They're worth 110, 120 yeah. now. Crazy. Um, and, and Peterborough is, you know, 75 and they're all 145 now. It's the best time. And, and you know, whenever people are moving that way, you you've got to go the other way. Yeah. You need to be contrarian in yes, your investment exactly. style. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I really believe that, you know, if the papers are telling you one thing, usually yeah. the opposite is true. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, um, fast forward to now. You just talked a little bit about purchase options. Yes, purchase um, options, yeah. Yeah, so that's a sort of favourite. What what other strategies and stuff are you doing now? Well, you know, I, I love HMOs still. And yeah, I think I HMOs yeah. um, sometimes get a bit of bad press um, because I think in many cities there is an oversupply of HMOs, mm. but actually they're very average, standard HMOs. Mm. And if you make yours slightly better yeah. than the competitors, 
you should have no problem renting them out. And actually, I think HMOs is a recession-proof strategy because if times get hard yeah. and people have to tighten their belts, so yeah. they can't afford to live on their own in a studio or an apartment, they have to pay the bills as well. Actually, HMOs are far more cost-effective. So I think in the right location, always with property, a good HMO should always rent out. Well, you're preaching to the converted timing. You know that that's my probably my favourite strategy. Yeah. Um, although I I put them into they're a bit like student flats. Yeah. Uh, and then I put professionals in. Yes. So they they've six rooms with a kitchen lounge diner. All the rooms yeah. are ensuited. Yeah. Uh, and then I put a series of those into into a block. Yeah. Um, and I I I, lo- I, I take so, big buildings and convert them into those. I like to yeah. ask your view on this because yeah. um, I've done a number of care home conversions to yeah. single flats and we've generally sold those and that's yeah. a real pain to do that. I don't want to do any more of that. I want to do buy to hold, basically, or I don't build like, to rent. I don't like selling stuff. I don't like selling yeah. stuff, really. Yeah. No, it's pain, it real is, pain. You just pay a load of tax. So, exactly. <laughs> Why so, would you do that? <laughs> so I'm looking more yeah. for commercial to residential, but not flats, purpose-built HMOs. And let's say you've got a building, yeah. and there's a, there's a mixed view on this, because yeah. this co-living trend is, is yeah. becoming very popular. Yeah. Um, so you could buy somewhere and make it a large 18-bed you know, yeah. co-living, which mm-hmm. is quite cool and trendy, or do you do three six beds? And my personal view is I'd rather do three six beds because they're almost like separate units and Mm -hmm. you could hive them off and sell and refinance, whatever you want to do. That's my view. What's what's your view on that? Three six bed cluster flats. Yes, rather than a big 18 bed. Because I think you've got to be one of, well, students love those kind of things. I'm not sure so many young professionals do, although there is a a move towards this co-living. So what's your view on that? Yeah, so I have never done any unit bigger than eight Right. Okay. Uh, I've done. Uh, I've done. I've done series of you know flats within a building. Yes. Um, because, I, and and of course, I'm probably not the best person to speak to about it because I don't have an 18 or 20 bed one. Yeah. I've got 40 rooms in a building, but yeah. they're all split into sixes. Yes. Yeah. And so and, the question is, would you consider doing well, a really big one and putting I like can, a cool cafe at the bottom? And, do you know what? I, there's one just going through it's just been consented in peterborough yeah. it's about 50 rooms yeah um if you go obviously i've been to the one in wilson the 500 yeah. room one um and i love the model i think yeah. it's great um i'd probably i'd probably run a test um every to be honest every time i i look at the model though um you know w- when i take all those communal areas out you know i can get a lot more rooms in and if yeah. i split them down into sixes i just feel like People would probably prefer to live with five other people rather than be in a hostel. Yeah, I think that's and, my view as well. Yeah, I mean, the Wilsdon one, you know, they are separated. They've got their own kitchenettes and whatever. So that's a bit different. I've, I've seen, you know, sort of 18, 20 bed HMOs, not co-living with all, with all the sort of whiz-bang communal areas. But, you know, they tend to feel a bit like a, bit like a hostel, a bit yeah. like a, you know, rat run, whatever. That, that's the first thing. The next thing is the legislation. Clearly, councils and here they've obviously consented one, so they are getting more used to it. Mm. So you've probably it's got very less. new though, isn't it? Really? It is, but I, before I weren't, I wasn't sure they were going to accept it around here. But look, there's a precedent. I love doing the sixes because you can usually, you know, if you, if you've got a two bed flat, you can convert them up to six without planning yep, consent, which is moment, which yep. is lovely. Um, licensing, you know, becomes a lot easier. Um, usually, you know, because you haven't got to go and get planning consent, you haven't got issues with parking, you haven't got issues with neighbours knowing that yeah. you're creating, putting <laughs> a load of... There's all this stuff that comes off the back of it. Yeah. And if I do a 10 or 11 metre squared room, you know, with an ensuite, I, 
I, I just get a lot less hassle from mm. you know the, the the authority. So that that that's why I like it. And and B, yeah, I'm I'm concerned about loads living in a yeah in a big building together. Because if they're only if they're living in a cluster flat and there's only six of them, I, yeah, I, I think people like that. You know, they 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 prefer that that sort of living. Um, so we agreed HMOs, great strategy. Yeah. Put that together with the PLOs, you've got a perfect strategy. Yeah, well, purchase purchase uh, option, yeah. Lot, lease purchase option. option. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we we've um we've done a few of those. As long as I can end up owning the freehold, which is obviously you you've got your yeah. option to purchase there. Yeah, absolutely. Um I like that. Yeah. yeah. If I'm just leasing, I it's it's just not for me. No. Uh, but to get going, early doors, you know, if oh, you're yeah. sort so of cash if, constrained, it's great. A rent to rent on an HMO is yeah. a great way. And it works really well in expensive places as well. You yeah, know, lots of landlords got very low mortgages. They just don't want the hassle. If you can come in, you've got to be good at filling the rooms. Yeah, but that can work really well. What's your view on serviced accommodation? Well, I mean, serviced accommodation is obviously very area and sort of property specific. Yeah. Um, so, I think if you want to have a a very profitable business, but it, it really is more towards the business rather Absolutely. than. Sort of, and um, the word service kind of gives it away. Absolutely, you've got to make sure the service is right. Absolutely, rather than a sort of hands-free investment. Yes, it, 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 you know, fine. So, you know, you, you're going to be managing, you know, sort of cleaner linen, all, all the service type element. Yeah. You know, letting people in. As long as you've, you, you're happy to be running a business and spending your time doing that, I think you can have a very profitable uh, model. And we we have a, quite a few trainers and loads of loads of our delegates who do that. Mm. Um, I don't have the time to do that. Obviously, we yeah. have a, a letting agency that manage all of our units. We have some serviced units, Rob and I, in yeah. the local area. Um, I reckon quite a few of our delegates do better than, than we do yeah. in terms of their monthly profit, probably because of the areas and because they are involved yeah. on the ground doing it every day. It, it's certainly and not And they get passive, paid to do it. It's yeah. not passive. Yeah. Um, but a great model and certainly yeah. great for those people who, you know, maybe they're in a job, they want to leave their job. They want to replace an income. They don't mind giving their time because it's still only, I don't know, the equivalent of a day a week or whatever, yeah. and they're going to be replacing their, the, yeah. the income from the job. My concern know? is about legislation because it, it is the wild west at the moment, mm. and, I, and I'm, I'm just concerned about people doing everything in service accommodation and then something coming out yeah. that might wipe out their business. Well, because HMOs are so highly regulated, you're not going to get anything drastic with those. But I just I worry about service accommodation because of that. What are your thoughts well, on that? Well, do you know what? With any of these styles and investment, you know, sort of techniques, I I've learned now that I go reasonably deep yeah. and then I switch. I keep keep all the old stuff, yeah. but then I switch along to something else. Yeah. Um and and it is because of that. Because I, I used to just people would be saying to me all the time, Oh, the government might, might government might do something, whatever. And most of the time it was it just never happened. But we've seen so much stuff over the last few years yeah. that it has made me more wary. So, you know, for, for instance, with the single lets and the HMOs, Section 24 affects those, but yeah. doesn't affect serviced accommodation. No, that's right. So in, in many ways, you know, the, there's a benefit there. Um, planning, well, I, I suspect that, you know, that is a little bit great. It's, there was it's a, very great, isn't it? Yeah, well, there was, there was a, um, an appeal. Uh, there was an appeal... Um, 
that was refused not that long ago on, uh, I think someone was running a, a serviced flat and the inspector decided that actually it probably was C1 or, or there was a material change of use which had occurred right. away from C3. Now, that's not a final decision and, and, and you know, clearly there are, there are, you know, and, and when you look at London, why do they need legislation to, you know, require you to have planning consent if you're letting it for more than three months? It, it yeah. seems perverse. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a little bit grey, but most areas there's no issue. I mean, it's certainly not an issue here. Uh, and clearly you're paying business rates instead of council yeah. tax. And, you know, we've got quite a few single, uh, quite a few uh, HMOs and, you know, they're ensuited. We haven't got a single banding around here for council tax. No, that's happening in quite a few places. But it is, uh, which is a risk. It is a risk. But and not a risk to service accommodation. No. So, so absol- I think you're absolutely right. I think something will happen with that. Mm. Uh, and they'll either say, right, you need planning consent, or they'll say uh, it's subject to Section 24 or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to be. But I just think you should do that along with the other strategies. Yes. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, no, basically. Yeah. absolutely And not. I think the financing, because the finance world has not caught up with service accommodation. No, you know, no. the, the few lenders have come yeah. out, they've kind of withdrawn. So yeah. a lot of people are technically breaching their mortgage conditions, which is not illegal, yeah. but there could be issues there. So I think, I think it's just something to be careful. Yeah. A lot of my students are doing very well with it, but I've just... Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of it for that reason. Do, do you have you had single banding uh, issues? Where um, you are? I personally haven't had no. them. But the biggest problem is where you have a council and they're doing it ad hoc. <laughs> so I know several people who've got two properties on the same road. One single banded, yeah. one isn't. Well, and that's that, that's the real danger. Well, that's because the VOA have got onto one and not the other. The key to that is, I mean, for many years, I. I I did big HMOs, but I only ever did two-storey ones, so yeah. they didn't need licensing. My yeah. attitude was to keep the council yeah. away. 175,000 more properties need licensing now yeah. because of the changes. And, 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 and it worked for many years. I've made sure they're all compliant, did all the fire. You know, I used yeah. to get a fire guy in, specialist, the whole lot. Yeah. Um, but my attitude was if the council don't come in, the VOA aren't coming in, who's going to know? Yeah. Clearly now... All, all of ours have been, and the council have been in licensing them all, and they've made us made some changes. Some rooms we've got to have, you know, we've had to make them bigger and all that sort of stuff, which has impacted us to some extent. Um, but no issue with that. But it doesn't take a lot, does it, for the um, VOA to go on the council? What, system what we do, and work we, out we put in our uh, contracts that uh, the landlord pays the council tax. Yes. As long as it's one single banded, and yeah. we put if the council decide to yeah. do single banding, yeah. that would then be the liability of the tenants. Yeah. Which so I think it is anyway. It is. It, it is. is. Yes, it yeah. is. But we want to put it in the contract, to make it clear, so that it's clear for the tenants, yeah. and they don't kick off and complain because yeah. tenants don't understand these things, right? Yeah. So well, it's about being no, transparent. Yeah. I mean, do you do you have any defence, you know, against it? Um, well, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. No. I you mean, know. it's all about hereditament. It's got I to be paid. Um, um, I, I mean, there's a few things online, a few people saying, oh, this works, that works, but I haven't really found a substantive defence. No, I don't think so. And, and even, you know, taking out en suites, if you've converted a building, well, apparently that still it, doesn't work. If it's a locked room, it can yeah, be yeah. assessed as an... It, a people think it has to have an en suite, yeah. No. People say yeah. it has to be en suite and has yeah. a kitchen, that's not correct. No. It, just a room mm. that's locked can be a single dwelling. That's my understanding, yeah. yeah. It's on the VOA website, they've yeah. put some examples. I, I was at a, uh, I went to a property show, I was speaking quite a few, yeah. and uh, there was a VO stand and I went up and I asked the lady, and she said, oh, I don't know about yeah, that. Well, and you think, oh, yeah. God, you know. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> most stuff. Computers know, right? But therein lies, you know, 
in some ways the opportunity and, yeah. and the good defence because yes. most of the time they come in and as long as you keep your mouth shut, they, they're not looking at that, they're looking at that. Exactly, yes, and then, exactly. And, and then they're gone. We call it misdirection in magic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course. That's Look right. over here while you're supposed to be looking here. That's, what you, uh, that's where you come from, isn't yeah, it? Well, yeah, well, actually, uh, so I very, very short, yeah, yeah. I, I got a magic trick when I was seven, Paul Daniels' magic trick. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And I started to get into the hobby and I bought more tricks and I actually became quite good. And, and I went to a magic shop in London called Davenport's and they started a young magician's club. So I'd go on every Saturday morning, have a professional magician who would teach us a trick and the you know, young magicians that will learn. And, and we'd do a Christmas show each year. And actually, I, looking back now, that was actually my first mastermind group because mm, I'd learned from the peers of course, there. Of course, yeah. And I started doing kids shows yeah. and, and I, I learned about the value of specialist knowledge yeah. because well, my friends were starting to work at 15, 16 on a Saturday job in a local news agent yeah. or something. And they might earn 15 quid for the day. Yeah. This is mid-90s, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'd do a magic show for 40 minutes yeah. in the afternoon and get yeah. paid 20, 25 quid. Mm. So a much higher. And just show specialist knowledge means you can earn more money. And sometimes I do too. And, and then, so I, I did a little bit. I, I, I didn't do much university because it was all word of mouth recommendation. I joined the magic circle just to keep my hand did in. And then I, the little, uh, I, I got a little badge, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the secret handshake, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, so I call my book Property Magic yeah. because the analogy is that property, if you don't know how it works, it yeah. can seem all mysterious and you don't know. But when you know the secret, just like a magic trick, it's actually very straightforward. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's straightforward. Yeah. Just like property and magic, that's the book. Mm. That's what it's all about. That's where it came from. Interesting. Very interesting. So where, where, in terms of the future now... You know, where, where do you think we're headed? Um, clearly, the market's got a bit sort of dampened, probably because of Brexit uncertainty and all that yep. stuff. And Section 24 as well. Yeah. Where, where, where do you think we're going year, three, five years out? So I think, you know, whenever, look, generally, the market's done very, very well for the last 10 years. Since 2009, as you said, a lot of your properties have more than doubled in value. Um, and I think that when you have a boom, you're going to have a little correction. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think we're going to see the same kind of crash as we had in 2008, 2009, no. because that was all credit crunch and there yeah. was irresponsible lending. The banks are much smarter now, uh, really controlling the lending. So different circumstances. But I think seeing a dip probably is going to happen as more and more landlords want to sell their properties. Yeah. Uncertainty, amateurs not knowing if they should go in or not because of all these things going on. I think yeah, it is, it's worse than Brexit. You know, I mean, Brexit. If it happened, country will kind of settle down. Sort People will yeah. always want to trade with the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think many, in terms of a property point of view, I think we've seen many foreign workers already leave the yeah. country. Yeah. Certainly, some of my clients have reported that's their kind of temp, tenant profile. That some of them have left. Lots and, of ours have. And I, and I think the ones that, that want to leave have probably gone. Yeah. And I think government said they don't want to lose. And frankly, the UK needs some of these skilled workers because there's not enough in the UK to do some of the jobs that they do for the rates they do, right? Well, our bill costs have gone up 20, 30% since all yeah. this started. Um, clearly, some of that is materials because yeah. sterling's Because there's a shortage as well of materials. Yeah, because sterling's depreciated. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is, because there's less labour, labour rates have gone up yeah, probably exactly. 20% over yeah. the last three years, which is a major issue for construction and, and yeah. you know, when, we're, when we're converting buildings. It's a big challenge we've seen as well. Yeah. So I think in terms of the, the population, you know, if they flood the tunnel and mm. pull up the drawbridge and no one else ever comes to the UK, yeah. we'll still have a growing population because of increasing birth rates and longer life expectancy. Long-term yeah, population true. goes up. We don't have enough accommodation. Long-term property prices should continue to go up. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And clearly, 
you know, I would, I'd, I'd be doing something else if I didn't. Um, exactly. You know, it, 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 I just, I can't see how property over the long term won't continue to go up. Uh, I just it, it will on, fluctuate as properties yeah, do. Always. I, I just work. I mean, I had it this morning. Someone emailed me saying, "Oh, I've heard that you shouldn't buy your own home and you should use the money for investment. Buying your own home is a, a bad idea." And I said, "Well, just, just think about this. If, if, if." Over the long term, let's say property's gone up, I don't know, 8% a year or whatever, but let's just say it's five. Let's say on average it goes up 5%, not every year, but over the long term, average of 5%. If you borrow a good chunk of the purchase price, let's say you borrow 90%, not everyone will want to do that, but let's say you borrow 90%, you're paying 2% interest on that loan. Yeah. You then have some maintenance, you know, and you'll have some insurance and, and whatever else. So let's say the total cost of running that house is three and a half percent of the purchase price. Yeah. And it goes up five percent a year. Yeah. So let's say you just throw that one and a half percent differential in the bin. The thing's free, is it not? And you're yeah. getting to live in a home. Yeah. And there's no capital gains tax when you sell it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, I think you should buy your own home. And I think the main reason is because... Clearly, there are there is still a housing shortage. There will continue to be a housing shortage. With this year, but I don't know, we built 180,000. Sorry, 110, 120,000. We still need. Is it 300? I think it was 300. They say they want to get to eventually. I don't know how they're going to get there. The Barker report was about 200 and something, and then there's I think the report you're on. I think it's a recent couple of years. Yeah, 300. Yeah. I don't, still don't think we're anywhere near that. No. So um, it continues. And that's, that's one of the things we're trying to help with crowd property. You help that shortage and help more developers borrow to fund it. To, to create more housing stock. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Simon, thank you. I Mark, it's been a pleasure. You. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for inviting me on. You're, you're very welcome. And um, I, hope, I hope you guys have, have got some good insights. Simon, how can people find more out about you? Um, so LinkedIn is a very good way to connect with me. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, just search for Simon Zucci, that's yeah. Z-U-T-S-H-I. And probably the best thing is just go and check out Property Magic. We keep on updating. It's sixth edition at the moment. There's an audio version on Audible. Get it on Amazon, Kindle, etc. Um, and obviously come along to a Property Investor Network meeting, pinmeeting.co.uk. And how about you, Mark, for people who don't know you're my podcast? I'm uh, www.progressiveproperty.co.uk. Um, same, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, I don't really use Twitter anymore. Do you use Twitter still? I don't use a lot of them, mate. I, no. I, I, um, I get told what to put Someone on. Someone else and, does it for you. Know, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested in property. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, thank you very much, Simon. My pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for asking me. And um, thanks for coming on my podcast as well. This, this double swap is a great idea. Indeed. So. That has been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.